You're listening to a message from Victory Christian Center in Farmer City, Illinois. For more information on Victory, please contact us at bccfarmercity.org. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. <laughs> Welcome to service this morning. Um, I want to read some verses real quick. You don't necessarily need to turn it. I'm going to go fast. But I'm looking at the words of Jesus, and I'm looking at something that got really really repetitive. In the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, we have what we call the seven letters to the seven churches. They were literal letters to literal churches, but also they are prophetic letters to us. They, they mean things to us today. But in those seven letters, which is not necessarily what I want to look at, he started repeating himself. And I just want to look at what he kept repeating over and over. So I'm going to go kind of quick. I'm not even going to read all of the first couple of verses. Revelation 2.11 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm just going to stop there. That sentence. Revelation 2.17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 2.29. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3, 6. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Anybody notice the pattern yet? Revelation 3, 13. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3, 22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All seven letters to all seven churches, he said the same thing to each one. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. Is the Holy Spirit saying something to the churches? Clearly. Okay, clearly. Um, who's going to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to the churches? He that has an ear. Is he speaking to the world? Is he speaking to just anybody? Well, no, by context, he's, he's speaking to the church. So he's only speaking to saved people. He's not even talking about the world. In fact, I'll just kind of throw it in there. Um, in John fourteen sixteen, uh, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit, um, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. He said the world can't even receive the Holy Spirit. Why? They don't see him. They don't know him. Isn't that what he said? Because they don't see him and they don't know him. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about the church this morning. And he says to the church, he who has an ear to hear, Revelation 13, verse 9, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. We need ears that hear. Is that right? If we study this out, and we will this morning, Scripture says there are ears that hear, and there are ears that don't hear. All within the context of the church. There are ears that hear, and ears that don't hear. You might call them open ears and closed ears. I don't know that there's a verse that says it that way, but hearing ears, and ears that don't hear. Are you with me? So, who determines whether your ears are open or closed? Who determines whether you hear or not? I'm, I'm going to play this out through the rest of the message, but I'll give the answer up front. You do. This is not a God thing. This is an us thing. Are we hearing? There are ears. This kind of terminology is not even just a New Testament thing. This is 
all the way through. I'll go back to one of the most famous passages, which is Isaiah chapter 6. This is the passage where the Lord says, who are we going to send? And Isaiah goes, here I am. Send me. So remember that passage? Songs written about that passage. We all know that passage, even if you didn't know where it was. Isaiah 6, verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Interestingly, so he says, who are we going to send? Isaiah says, I'll go. He says, all right, I'm going to send you. You're going to preach, but they're not going to understand you. You're going to speak truth and they're not going to. They're, they're not going to hear you. They're not going to understand you. They're not going to know what you're saying. They're not going to perceive. They're not going to understand. And it, I, I didn't put it on there. The very next verse, he says, how long? <laughs> he volunteered, and now he's signed up. He's like, oh, no, what did I sign up for? How long, Lord? <laughs> anyway, it's this passage. Now let's go New Testament, Acts chapter 28. The apostle Paul starts quoting that passage we just read in Isaiah. Acts 28, verse 25. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. said, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes, they have closed. Who closed them? They closed their own eyes. It wasn't something God did. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So just as we had this problem, can I say it this way? We had this problem in the Old Testament church. Likewise, this problem still exists in the New Testament church. There are some who have closed their eyes and they have closed their ears and they have dulled their heart and they don't hear. Are you, are you seeing it? Notice what is not the problem. Old Testament or new, anything we've just read. The problem is not trying to get God to talk. He's talking. That isn't the issue. It, the problem is ears aren't hearing. Are you seeing that? So many people think the issue is, well, I'm just trying to get God to talk to me. And I don't know why he won't talk to me. And I mean, I have prayed and I have fasted and I have sought the Lord. I've even begged and he is not talking. I don't know why he won't talk to me. I can't find that in scripture. What I can find in scripture, Jesus said his sheep hear his voice. Um, he said that his spirit would guide you into all truth, that he would show you things to come, that he would bring all things to your remembrance. So is God a covenant-keeping God? Does he keep his word? Could it be an issue then of not, is God talking? Maybe the issue is, are we not hearing right? Um, I want to use an illustration, and 
never did I think the day would come that it dates me. Um, I hope the teens came up with me. Do you all know what a radio is? <laughs> when teenagers go to listen to music today, where do they go? Uh, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Apple Music. Does anyone turn a radio on anymore? Anyone under the age of 20 know what a radio is? Anyone? <laughs> Thank you. I got a few hands. Radio. So say you want to listen to something on the radio. So you go to the radio and you flip the power on and you're wanting to hear a certain station, whatever your favorite radio station is, but when you turn the power on, you're not hearing that station. So what's the first thing that comes to mind? What's the number one step in troubleshooting why that radio is not playing the station you want? Clearly, the first thing you do is call the radio station and ask them why they're not broadcasting, right? No, we don't assume that at all. What do we figure? I must not be tuned in right. And so we get to dial out and we start working. We got to find the right frequency. We can even fine tune that frequency to get a clear listening to what's being broadcast, which is a much better example of listening to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It's not that he's not talking, but do our ears hear? And if we're having trouble hearing, is there a way to fine tune, get in the right frequency and begin to listen? And that's actually is what, what's going on. Let's see. I want to go to a passage in Matthew. This is Jesus speaking. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25, it says, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So we're jumping into a passage. He's been speaking um, I, but I like to try and leave things in context. So in this moment, who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to the Father. Now, he's about to kind of shift. It sounds like he shifts to the disciples. But as we jumped into it, he's talking to the Father. Verse 26, Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. So he just shifted and put the Father in third person. So it kind of sounds like he's just shifted down to the disciples and now he's telling them something. He says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Okay, so still, context, what's he talking about? Knowing the Father. We just read, Jesus is talking about knowing the Father. And he says, the Father is the only one who really knows the Son. The Son is the one who knows the Father. And the one to whom the Son reveals the Father to. Jesus reveals the Father to. That's our context. Okay. Now verse 28, very next verse. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, familiar passage. For some, maybe didn't quite know where we were until we got to that verse. And you're like, oh, we've heard this verse. A lot of um, preachers will preach this verse and what we're about to read. But they start on that verse. I want to back up a verse. Why? Context. When he made the statement, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, what was he talking about? 
knowing the Father? Do you want to be one who Jesus reveals the Father to? Then here's the big clue. Come to me. All you who are heavy laden, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. So in context then, what would be one reason you might be um, laboring really hard and heavy laden and restless? Because there's something about the Father you don't know. Not knowing will make you restless. Maybe you're in a situation where you really need to know, Lord, what's your will in this situation? How do I proceed? What choice do I make as I go through this circumstance that has landed in front of me and I really need your direction, I need to know what you want me to do, not knowing will make you restless. Not knowing at times can even make you lose sleep because the mind just rages and races. Why? Because you don't know. When you know, what what do you find? Rest. Rest. I know how to proceed. I know what he wants. I know what my next step is. I may not know every detail, but I know what i got to do next. And I know that I'm following his plan. That brings rest. It, it takes a load off of you. Not knowing the will of God. Now, do we turn left or do we turn right? Maybe we go straight. Maybe I'm supposed to just stop and not go at all. Not knowing is restless. All right? But the good news is there is rest. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So context, what is Jesus going to do with the yoke that he puts on you? Context, he's going to lead you. You're going to know which way to go. I'm going to know how to go in this situation. I'm going to be rested because I know what the plan is. The yoke is going to lead you. Now, I have to be very open for just a moment because there was a time when I struggled with that. And it was all my own fault, basically. Remember the verse we looked at just a... I don't know, we've already talked about it in this series. I don't remember if it was part two, part three, somewhere in there, we went to Psalm 32, verse eight. And you'll probably remember this because I made a pretty big deal. I had a whole message centered on this, all right? Psalm 32, eight says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. So same context. I will guide you with my eye. Or another translation says, I'll keep my eye on you. He says, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So in that passage, I've had this negative context of I'm not supposed to be like the animal. I'm not supposed to have a bit and bridle and all this stuff. And then I flip over to there and Jesus has me putting a yoke on. And now in my mind's eye, I'm picturing I'm an ox or a cow. I don't know. Luckily, we don't do those today. But I'm now a cow with this thing on me and I'm feeling no better than the horse or the mule. and, And I'm having trouble reconciling these two passages. And I know they reconcile. Uh, it, it's me, not Scripture. But I'm, I was genuinely struggling, and I was meditating on it and seeking the Lord, going, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And when I was meditating on that, um, he spoke to my heart. He asked me a question. He said, what was the problem with the horse and the mule? We'll go back and read the context. 
The problem was they had no understanding. It said that right in the verse. Don't be like the mule or the horse or whatever it was that has no understanding. So illustration aside, the problem was they had no understanding. That, that's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be one who has no understanding. Context of which way to go, where he's leading. We don't want to be the one who doesn't have understanding. Then he asked me another question. He says, what is the first thing I said would happen if you took my yoke upon you? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I thought, when you put that yoke on, the first thing he begins to do is teach you. And what's he eliminating? The lack of understanding. So the verses didn't conflict. I conflicted. <laughs> I'm hung up on these pictures of animals in my head. But the, the thing is, he says, when we take his yoke upon us, the first thing he does, he brings understanding. And we begin to see what we need to see. We begin to understand, which is what he said in Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. So what's the step in learning and being instructed and hearing his teaching? Get the yoke on. Put your yoke on. All right? He never intended for us to wander through life without direction. We're supposed to know. So now let's do what I like to do. Let's dig a little deeper. That word yoke then. We're supposed to put the yoke on us. What's the yoke? Um, it's the Greek word zygos. And that word means a coupling. It's exactly what you're picturing, but it means a coupling. A yoke is a coupling that joins two things together so that they move as one. So in my mind, I'm going back to the old days. I'm picturing two oxen with a yoke tying them to each other and then a farming implement in the middle, probably a plow or something like that, um, probably just a single blade because those things are hard to pull. But when you put the yoke on two oxen, now the two become one. They work in unison and together they pull the implement. Now back to Jesus' implication. You're putting a yoke on, but a yoke is a coupling. Who's in the other side of your yoke? Jesus. You are coupling yourself to Him. Why? So that the two can operate as one. So the two can move together. And I'm actually thinking about the yoke. So... In this case, if I'm in a yoke with Jesus and we're operating together, if he starts to move to the right, I'm going to sense that. But yoke's going to tug me that way. If I'm smart, what do I do? Move with the yoke. Stay with him. In order to not turn right with him, what do I have to do? Take the yoke back off. Get out of the yoke. I didn't want to turn right. I want to go left. I want to go straight. I want to stop and have a sandwich. He's going right. So see, the yoke is our coupling to stay connected to him. We can get to a point where we sense his movement through that yoke that we put on. Are you following me? So, okay, the yoke is our connection to him. And he said one of the first things we're going to do is be, to begin to learn of him. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Well, if, if we're early in the stages of that, what's one of the first things we need to learn about Jesus so that we can successfully put that yoke on and begin to 
work as one with him. Well, he told us in the verse, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am. So here's the thing about him we need to know. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And why are we learning that about him? Because to walk with him, we're going to have to walk the same way. We're going to have to be like him. That's kind of the point of Christianity, isn't it? To become like him. Here's the first key he puts out there. Now, to put my yoke on so that we can operate as one, so that we can move together, so that you can follow my guide, here's the first thing you're going to have to be. Gentle and lowly in heart. Um, What does it mean to be gentle and lowly in heart? To simplify it, it all centers on humility. Um, those two words in most translations, they'll either use the word meek, humble, gentle. Uh, King James used the word lowly, but it all centers around humility. The Young's literal translation says, I am meek and humble in heart. So that's the first thing we need to know about him. So now kind of back to my illustration of the yoke. What has to happen for me to follow him? And say he's trying to turn right. What do I have to do? I have to yield to him and follow and go right. For me to go left, go straight, or stop, what am I doing? I'm rebelling. I'm being stubborn. I want to go my own way. Which is all are indicators of pride. What do I need to do to follow him? I need to admit, Lord, I know nothing without you. Lord, I don't even know which way to go without you. Every step of my life, I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need your hand of anointing on my life. I can do none of this without you. What is that? Not only is that humility, well, it is humility, but why is it humility? Because <laughs> it's absolutely true. When we start getting self-confident, thinking, well, I don't need his help on this one. I got this one. Uh, we're stepping into pride. We're stepping out of humility. We need to recognize, Lord, I need you in everything, in every situation. I cannot do this without you. In effect, what's one thing you're doing to connect to my previous illustration? You're starting to fine-tune to the right frequency to be able to follow him, to recognize his leading. But when we resist that and we get confident in ourselves instead of him, we are hardening our heart. It, it makes me think um, an Old Testament passage you'll see a lot, especially around that first generation of Jews that wandered in the wilderness, that, that just would not follow him and trust him. A phrase they used is, you are a stiff-necked people. You are a stiff-necked people. And what I picture when I think of that is not just that the neck is really tight, but when a neck gets stiff, I picture it this way. <clears throat> I'm stiffening my neck, almost elevating my head. Why? I'm showing confidence in me and a defiance to you. Stiff-necked. That's kind of how I picture. I, I think that's really what the word means. But it's an, it's an idea of stubbornness and self-reliance. And I don't need God. I can do this on my own. That's stiff-necked. And that's fine. You have the choice to do that. But what scriptures say you're doing to yourself when you do that? You are dulling your heart. You are hardening your heart. And in that stiff neck position, 
you will not hear, you will not see, and you will not understand. And many people get in that position because they were stiff-necked, and then they think, well, God is just not talking. When actuality, that's not true. They have hindered their own ability to hear. He's not quit talking. They've quit hearing. Why? Stiff-necked. They got into pride. They got out of humility. Any way you want to you word that. So let me talk about this for a moment then. Why that can be so dangerous. Um, why is it we don't hear him many times? Let me clarify something. Number one, he does not speak to you or lead you with external things. Um, rarely. Most Christians their whole life will never hear an audible voice of God with these ears. Now, it, it can happen. It's not always a good thing. It's usually a bad thing. My, my experience has been, not my experience, my study, um, but those who've heard the audible voice of God, it, it's usually a something really bad about to happen. Scripturally, though, they did hear it one time when uh, Jesus came up out of the water and God spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So there is a biblical support for it once, a couple times. Okay? It's not the normal. So I'm not, I guess I shouldn't say it'll never happen, but it's rare. But Why? The Holy Spirit does not speak to you that way. He is not called the holy body. So he'll not communicate with your body. Likewise, um, he doesn't really lead you with mental things. He's not the holy mind. What is he? He's the Holy Spirit. And he's going to communicate with you through your human spirit. Scripture tells us that in 1 Corinthians 2.14. says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually understood. They are spiritually received. He is the Holy Spirit. That's how he communicates with you. But then if you are being stiff-necked and you are dulling or hardening your spirit then you're going to have a hard time discerning when he communicates with you. Does that, does that connect? Are you seeing that? Let me give you a practical example of that. Mark chapter 8, back to Jesus and the disciples. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf. They had less than a loaf uh, with them in the boat. And he charged them, saying, Take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, oh, It's because we don't have any bread. Are you with me? Jesus is actually trying to reveal a spiritual truth to them. And they are 100% thinking in the natural. He's trying to use symbolism to reveal a spiritual truth and they're thinking about <laughs> we forgot bread and now we're in trouble. Someone's going to someone's going to heads are going to roll because <laughs> we don't have enough bread. Andrew, it was your turn. I, I don't know where they went with that. Um, can they say, well, Jesus just isn't talking to us. Oh, no, no, he's talking. They're hearing. But they're not perceiving. They're not understanding. Verse 17, Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet 
perceive nor understand. And here's the issue. Is your heart still hardened? He was revealing spiritual truth. They were out in left field thinking naturally. And so he said, "Ah, is your heart still hard? Because when your heart is hard, then you'll hear, but you won't hear. You'll see, but you won't see. You won't perceive. You won't understand. Verse 18, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? He was frustrated. Why? In the timeline, it looks to be there about two years into his ministry at this point. So for a a good two years, they've been following Jesus all over the place. They've heard probably thousands of hours of him preaching by now. They've walked beside him. They've seen the miracles. They've, a lot of them stayed with him in that same house. All kinds of stuff going on. And two years into it, they're still not hearing. And he's frustrated. He says in verse 19, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basket full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Twelve. And he says, also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basket full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. I wonder what their tone was. I'm just thinking, they're probably, they know they're in trouble now, you know. Seven, <laughs> you know. And he said to him, verse 21, how is it you do not understand? Can I point out, did he expect them by this point? To understand. Oh yeah. He was frustrated that they didn't. He had expected them to learn by now. And why were they not understanding? Hardness of heart. Their heart was still hard. According to Jesus, the condition of their heart had a direct effect on whether or not they understood what he was saying to them. And the same thing is true for us today. The condition of our heart has a direct effect on whether or not we understand what he's trying to say to us. It's a heart thing. We can have a humble heart and have ears that hear or a hard heart and ears that don't hear. And it's not a one-time deal. I don't have time to go in. I could go down this path this morning. We could have a humble heart in the morning and a hard heart in the afternoon. Peter did. All in one day, he heard revelation from the Holy Ghost that Jesus was the Christ, and he gets praised, and he says, I'm calling you Peter, and that whole passage. And later the same day, he's trying to correct Jesus for all this basically Calvary talk. And in the same day, then Jesus looks at him and says, Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) All in one day. Peter had a wild swing that day. What? He was hearing God in the morning and the devil in the afternoon. We can have a humble heart in the morning and a hard heart in the afternoon. So it's something we stay on top of. It's something we walk with. I want to jump over to Luke chapter 8. We're right at the end. We'll see the overlap. This is right at the end of the parable of the sower in Luke 8. Verse 8. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried... He who has ears to hear, 
Let him hear. He said this a lot. Probably more than anyone else in Scripture. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So then his disciples asked him, and said, what's the parable mean? They didn't get it either. In verse 10, he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables that, quote, he's quoting Isaiah, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So what's going on? It was true then and it's even true today. God is revealing himself to some but not to others. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said that he knows the Father and to those that he reveals to. But not everyone hears. So for some people, God is revealing himself to them through Jesus. To others, it's as if God doesn't even exist. They're not perceiving. And it's not anything on his part. It's a condition of the heart. Hard hearts do not see him. For a hard heart, it's as if God doesn't even exist. And again, we're talking about the church. Today, in the church, in the family of God, among his children, there are some with humble hearts who hear. And there are some with hard hearts. That even though they're a child of God, it's as if he doesn't exist. They do not perceive him. Are you with me? It's a heart condition. All right, let's jump forward to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Here's all that same thing again. He says, Today, for us right now, it's today. He says, If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. We harden our heart, we won't hear his voice. If we keep our heart soft, uh, the word Jesus used, meek and lowly, humble, then we can hear. Um, down to verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do you think Scripture's trying to tell us something? Don't harden your heart. Do you suppose any of us have ever hardened our heart? I'll answer for all of us. Yeah, we all have. We've all been there, whether we realized it or not. We've all been there. We've done that. Anytime he was trying to lead us one way, and we went a different way, we were hardening our heart. Maybe we lost our peace in a situation we should have controlled ourselves. Maybe we lost our joy in a time we should have been counting it joy and we didn't. Maybe there was a time he was leading us to walk in love with that person who was persecuting us. And that just really wasn't the option we had in mind. Didn't want to walk in love. Maybe he was telling us, be patient in this situation. And that was the last thing on my mind because I don't have time for patience. Or maybe it was long-suffering. Maybe we got sour. Maybe we got bitter. 
Maybe we got into unforgiveness. Any situation where he was leading one way and we decided to go a different way. We were hardening our heart because we had to rebel to get out of that yoke. He was leading, but we didn't like it. I'll say a couple things. Number one, something we could all do today, tomorrow, every day to be honest. Get in our prayer closet and get on our face, on our knees and bow before Him and say, Father God, I don't know anything without You. I don't know which way to go without You. I'm not smart enough to figure this out without You. I need You. And then say, Father God, forgive me for any stubbornness in me. Forgive me for any time I've rebelled against You. Forgive me for any time I missed the mark where You went right and I went left. Father, forgive me. I know I've done it. It's not in my heart. Please forgive me. We've all been there. But what do you have to do to pray that prayer? Humble yourself. Just lay the pride out. Got no use for it. Humble yourself before Him and get right. And then as the Spirit says, if you'll hear His voice, do not harden your heart. I want two things and I'll close this morning. But I want to, I want to talk about that moment where we're seeking and we're trying to listen and we want to know which way to go and He's leading us to go one way and it really isn't the way we wanted to go. You really only have three options in that moment. Okay, option number one. Well, it's not really what I had in mind, but Lord, if that's the way You're leading me to go, then I will humble myself, whatever the case may be, and I'm just going to follow and I'm just going to obey. That's the best choice. All right. The other choice would be the exact opposite of that, where you just outright say, outright say, God, I know you want me to go this way, but I ain't doing that. I know you're telling me to walk in love, but no, I got to give them a piece of my mind. I'll love them tomorrow. Today, they're going to hear what I really think. Or whatever the case may be, where we just blatantly say, God, no, I ain't doing it that way. I'm going to do it my way. Now, I am presenting that a little in your face, because let's be honest, what is that? Direct disobedience. We know he's saying go this way, and we're like, nope, I got a better idea. <laughs> we're doing this. It's outright rebellion. So that would be another option. Most of us aren't real comfortable with that option. We want to go that way, but to actually say, no, God, I'm not doing it. Most of us have a tender enough heart that rubs us, right? I, I, I hope none of you have actually done that. No, God. No, no. So then, but it, the other option is do it or don't do it. So a lot of times we try to come up with a third option. So we find this option where we decide, hmm, maybe that wasn't God speaking to me. I know I, I had this crazy thought of buying them lunch and loving them, but that can't be God. And so we find a creative way to play games with ourselves and find a way to believe that wasn't God. And that, that, that must have been just the craziest thought that popped into my head, or I don't know where that came from. And, and know that if you start down that path, there is an enemy who will get right in agreement with you real quick. And he'll start whispering in the other ear and start saying, yeah, that wasn't God. 
I don't know what that was. Must have been something you ate last night. You knew those leftovers had been in there too long and you ate them anyway. And now you're having weird thoughts and imaginations. You had no business. That wasn't God. Or some other crazy something. But big picture, what are we doing? We're finding a way to disobey and not call it disobedience. Now, the end result's the same. We still disobeyed. We heard, and we talked ourselves out of it, however creatively you wanted to do that, and we still disobeyed, so the result's the same. We begin hardening our heart. And then the really dangerous thing is, next time you get back in your prayer closet because something else has come along and you want to hear from God, He's not going to sound different. He's going to speak to you the way He speaks to you. Problem is, last time you heard that tone, you decided that wasn't Him. And so, what are you going to do the next time? You've created kind of a dangerous place to be when we start playing games with ourselves. The best thing you can do is just recognize, all right, I'm going to follow. I'm going to humble myself and go whichever way he says go. Does that make sense? So as I close in, I want to talk about this, and we're going to move into a little bit of what's that sound like? How does he talk to us? And I just want to leave you with one thought as we go. Um, when you start learning to recognize his voice on the inside of you, um, recognize that that takes time and practice. Um, it's no dirt different than recognizing anyone's voice. Have you ever had someone that calls you on the phone? And this was a much better illustration before caller ID came along. But a call came in, you didn't know who it was, someone handed you a phone and said, here's for you. There you go. But for some reason, now you're on the phone and they start talking and it takes you about two seconds or three words and you know who you're talking to. Simply by the voice, the tone of voice, their choice of words, you know in a second, oh, it's so-and-so and I'm, I'm talking to you. Yep, it's Frank. Okay, Frank, I'm talking to you. Why? Because you know the voice. Now, did that happen overnight? No, that happened over time. Many conversations, many hours spent talking, many times over a season, sometimes years, where so much familiarity, you know that voice anywhere. We sometimes do that with, with singers. You could flip on a radio station or something and hear a song that you've never heard in your life. You have no idea who the song is, who the band is, the singer, nothing. But you start hearing the tone of that singer's voice and you're thinking, oh, well, I know who that is. Why? Because you've heard that voice sing so much that you can pick it out of a crowd. And I've done that. Maybe I don't know if everyone does that. I tend to be a musical person. There are songs that I can pick out because I know that singer's tone. I know their voice. I know what they sound like. Sometimes I can do that with instrumentation, but it's easier with voices. But that comes with familiarity. You ever been on the other side of that? Someone calls on the phone, you start a conversation, you might be two or three minutes into that conversation, and finally you just have to stop and say, hold on, I am so sorry, but who is this? Because <laughs> you don't know this voice. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. You just got to humble yourself instead of playing dumb. But it's no different. It comes with exposure. You've heard that voice so much. You've heard that voice happy. You've heard that voice sad. You've heard that voice excited. You've heard that voice angry. <laughs> You've heard that voice loud. You've heard that voice quiet. 
You will get that good at recognizing his voice, but it comes with experience. It comes with exposure. There's time involved in just learning to hear. So as I say that then, and I know I've said this before, and sometimes I think I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. What's the number one way you begin to recognize his voice? As you spend time in his word, and you're reading all the things he's already said, and as you spend time in his word, you're listening for him on the inside. As the Holy Spirit shows you things in what you're reading and begins to speak with you. The number one way you begin to become familiar with His voice is when you read your Bible every day. It is the number one way. It is the sure way. It is, I say it this way, it's your safeguard. Because anything He says to your heart, it will never disagree with what He's already said in His Word. They are one. Now I realize your Bible was penned by what? 40 or 40 some different human authors over several thousand years. But at the end of the day, every one of those authors wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that, that inspired them to write what they wrote that we hold in our Bible, it's the same Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And He will not disagree with Himself. It's your safeguard. Amen? So any way you slice it or dice it, you're not going to be led by Him if you're not feeding on His Word every day. Getting to know Him. Getting to recognize Him. And what's that going to take? This is almost like the bad news. It's going to take some diligence on your part. Some faithfulness. Some consistency. Some diligence. And some faith. Just I, I say this often. Read your Bible by faith. Go into every time saying, Now, Holy Spirit... Speak to me as I read this. Let me see something I've not seen. Open my eyes to see revelation in this written word today. And then have faith that he'll answer that prayer. Amen. Amen. Peace. 